Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. I'm, I'm really excited for this morning uh, because we're starting a new series. Who loves a good series? Yeah, I, I love a good series, yeah? Uh, and, and so we're starting this series and, and our, our series is simply titled John O'Brown Equipus Christchurch. That's not what it's titled. Uh, our series is titled, What Works? And really, when it, when it comes to gathering together on a Sunday, when, uh, when it comes to, to this practice that we have, one of the, the things that we hope is that, that these moments aren't just kind of pretty words and, and pithy quotes, but that Sunday helps. Yeah, that Sunday touches uh, the, the, the ground in our hearts, that, that, that it's, it's applicable, that it's real, that, that the principles that we talk about, that the, the ministry moments that we facilitate, the worship, the prayer, the being in community, that it helps us in some way. Yeah, now we're not saying that, you know, uh, come to faith in Jesus and, and your life is roses from then on out, that it's, it's all easy sailing. It's, that's not the case. But, but we are saying that living in a community of faith, it, it should help in some way. It should work in some way. And, and really across this, this series for these next coming weeks, as we talk about what works, we want to look at what do we do in a community of faith? And does it work? Maybe there, there are some things that we do in a community of faith that we've been doing for so long because we simply do them and they could work, but the way in which we're doing them doesn't work. The intentionality, the heart, the belief, the, the spirit behind them has been gone. And so really what I want to do this morning is I want to set the scene for the coming weeks. Today I'm, I'm going to kind of break a little bit of the, the, the preacher's rule, which is you're not really meant to ask questions and not answer them because then people leave like, I'm very confused. I'm just going to ask a bunch of questions today. So I apologize in advance if you leave a little bit more uncomfortable than you came in. You're like, this is not what I signed up for. Church is meant to always make me feel much better about myself, right? We're also going to finish with worship, and so Jesus will do what Jesus does. Uh, and if you are extremely distressed, which I promise none of you will be, right? They're not that bad questions. Uh, but, but do feel free to come and talk to us afterwards. The altar's always open, and we'd love to to pray with you. And so today what I'd like to do is really set the scene and, and start by asking a question maybe you don't expect to, to be asked in church. How's that for a little bit of a, a teaser, yeah? I've been watching all the Marvel trailers, so I've been taking notes. Well, that's what you do. Anyway, we need God. Why don't you bow your heads with me? I need God a lot. So bow your heads, close your eyes, and, uh, and let's pray. God, we thank you so much uh, as we come together this morning that you're with us. Uh, God, we thank you that uh, we're not just encountering you now, that you've been with us from the moment that we walked in. Uh, and then when we come together corporately, something happens as, as we gather together, as we present ourselves in a community of people who are, who are collectively going after you. God, I pray in these coming moments as, as we turn to Scripture that, that it wouldn't only be my ideas, it wouldn't be just my thoughts, but that you would speak to us. God, that you would transform hearts and minds, that we would be encouraged, that we would be drawn forward into what you have for us, that ultimately we would leave here different than when we came in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So th this week, as I was kind of thinking about this idea of, of what works, I, I was reminded and I started uh, reminiscing on the desperation of being a new parent. Does anyone, anyone know what I mean? That kind of the desperation that sets into your heart and soul. Not when you've had, you know, like the hills, they've got a bunch of babies. Like I'm sure Michaela came along and they're like, this is easy, we can do this again. I'm sure that's not quite the case, right? Uh, but it's a little bit different. I'm sure the panic that sets in for them, or lack of panic, uh, is not the same as the panic that sets in when your first baby arrives. Any, any parents kind of remember that feeling? The baby is born, it's in your hands, it's all very exciting. Then everyone else leaves the room and you're like, Wait, what? 
I'm in charge now? Read some more books, right? Like, where are the books that we didn't finish? We had nine months to prepare for this moment. What were we doing? I've forgotten everything that was in the books. There might just be me, right? There might be a more personal experience. But I I think it's interesting when you have young kids. In fact, I I find your Google history is funny. Does anyone remember Googling odd things uh, when their their child was, was born, especially their first child? In fact, a survey, you're like, Johnny, you're making all of this up, just speaking from personal experience. I'm not. A survey found that new parents Googled 2,152 times within the first year of, of their first child's life. To, just to contextualize that, that's six times a day you're on Google. Like, what is, what is going on? I, I'm not sure I Googled quite that much, but I definitely remember searching things like, how long can a baby cry for? Like, do they lose steam? Is this, is this never-ending energy? Is it, is it bad if a gr- baby has been crying for X amount of time, right? And slowly that number went up. Like, can it, is it bad if a baby's been crying for 10 minutes? If it, is it bad if a baby's been crying for, for, for two hours? Is it bad if a baby's been crying for, for a week nonstop? It feels like it's been a week, right? And, and, and I remember, I remember the, one of the things I got really obsessed with was I saw this thing online, the baby bum wiggle. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? The baby bum wiggle, right? It's this like super magical baby jujitsu move that, that this guy on the internet did. We like hold a baby and you rock its bottom in just such a way. And these babies that are crying and that are upset and that are gassy, they just, just go to sleep. Like a, like a magic trick. Like it's incredible. And so I Googled it and, and I'd get Ollie and I'd be doing the baby bum wiggle and I'm like, this just isn't working for you. And I'm like Googling, how do you wiggle your bum? Not my bum, right? I'm not getting, that's how you get to having babies is the bum wiggling, right? You don't want to, so I'm like, no, this is inappropriate. We're going to edit that out. It's slanderous, the word of God, right? I didn't master it. I mastered my bum wiggle. Anyway, it's unimportant. And then I remember Googling like, should a baby's poo be... X, Y, Z, right? Like, should a baby's poo be insert the spectrum of the colors of the rainbow? Like, I don't understand. You're a baby. How is your poo this color? We haven't fed you anything bright blue. Why is your poo coming out? And is this a bad thing? And, and then, of course, there's like the anti and postnatal groups, and, and you've got this community of people, and, and it's a beautiful thing, but also everyone's got a trick that works for them, that they're like, this is going to solve everyone's problems, and they're putting it forward, and, and some people are recommending controlled crying, and some people are recommending kangaroo cuddles, and some people are recommending just things that are words that I don't understand, and I Google it, and my Google number goes up, and, but you're all desperately lurk, w- looking for what works, Yeah? Is that desperation that there must be something that, that works. And I think in life, we're all looking for what works. Maybe, you know, most extreme when we eh, have young children, but we're all looking for what works. Social media, I find, is full of quick fixes, isn't it? Like instant ads, get-rich-quick schemes, how to win friends and influence people. But, but I found none of it ever really kind of lives up to the promise. Everyone I know who's ever kind of gone all in on a quick fix is on the other side of it, less satisfied, less happy, with less money and fewer friends. See, I don't think in life we actually want quick fixes, solutions that work for now but create problems for tomorrow. We want what works. And I don't know about you, but I've found in life that often what works, it, it's not always flashy. Sometimes it doesn't even seem to make a difference kind of day to day, but it's often the simple, consistent, seemingly obvious things that have made the biggest difference in my life that haven't transformed my day-to-day, but has transformed my life. And I think we need to look for these things because we all want something that works, right? We're all looking for what works. And today, as we start this series, what works, the question, 
left you hanging with the, the interesting question, right? The question that I want to ask is, do you ever feel like Christianity isn't working? Like, Johnny probably shouldn't ask that question from a stage, right? Like, you're a pastor, you're ordained. I'm pretty sure there is a list of questions you're not allowed to ask. There's actually not a list of questions you're not allowed to ask. But it is a weird question to ask in church, yeah? Often we're like, hey, this faith, this thing works. Come to faith. Come into this community. This is a beautiful thing that will transform your life. And I want to say it up front. I believe all of that. I believe that our faith is, is, is amazing. I believe that a decision to follow after Jesus is the most instrumental, most impactful decision a person can make. But I also want to say that I think it can feel like the way that we're serving Jesus, the way that we're following Jesus, the way that we're trying to trust in God isn't working in the way that we probably thought that it would. And we come to this faith and we, we live in these communities and, and we go, man, I feel like it should work differently. I guess what I'm saying is that I feel like it's possible to live out a Christianity that isn't working, to live out a faith that, that isn't working. And so today as we start the series, What Works?, I want to ask, does Christianity work? Just a small question for a Sunday morning, yeah? If you're taking notes today, uh, I've got three thoughts because uh, I'm not breaking all of the preacher's rules, and obviously having three points is integral, um, I think, in three-point thoughts uh, nowadays. So uh, if you're taking notes, my, my first thought today is we all want a way that works, don't we? I feel like I've kind of driven this home, but, but maybe one final example. I feel like no one's ever, like, talking to someone, and, and, you know, maybe say you've bought a new car, and someone's like, oh, how's your new car? And you're like, it's actually pretty horrible. Like, I would not recommend this car. It's a bad car. I was going to make a Tesla joke, but I don't think Caleb's here today, so I'll, I'll leave that one on the shelf for when he is another day online. Caleb, I was going to make a Tesla joke. I'll tell you about it later. Uh, but, but, you know, and, and so someone's like, oh, actually, the car's it's not great. And no one's response is ever, oh, amazing. Okay, cool. I'm going to head down to the dealership, and I'll get the car that you got, because I'm really looking for a car that doesn't work. That's, I'm keen, right? No one's ever like on a, on a health kind of kick. They're, they're doing some sort of thing that they found on the internet. And someone's like, how's it going for you? Like, uh, not great. It's, actually, it's just really expensive juices. I figured out. Just really expensive juices. And the response is, oh, amazing. I love expensive juices. I'm, really, I'm looking for a thing that doesn't actually help me in any way, shape, or form. It just costs a lot of money. So uh, sign me up for that. We want what works, yeah? A few weeks ago, I spoke from, from this passage, Isaiah chapter 58, verse, 55, sorry, verse 8, in which God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. See, this seems to suggest to me that, that God has a way. And, and my question is, if so, maybe if God has a way, that way works. And so if we're considering what works, maybe we should consider God's ways. Turn with me uh, to, to John chapter 14, verse 1 to 6, and, and I think you'll see that there's a, a slight problem with this. So this is Jesus to his followers, his disciples, and he, he says this to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. And then I love this moment, Thomas pipes up, right? And, and Thomas gets like a bad rap in the Bible. We call him Doubting Thomas, as if doubts is a bad thing to have. I want to say doubts is a healthy part of, of a Christian faith, of working through your doubts, of wrestling through them. And I think we, we have an opportunity to redeem Thomas, right? Because one of the things that Thomas does that I really enjoy is Thomas always asks the question that everyone else is thinking, but no one else has the guts to say. 
Yeah, like we should stop calling them doubtful Thomas as if that's a bad thing and call them like bold Thomas or courageous Thomas or not scared like all the other scaredy cats Thomas. That's what I would call them if I was writing the Bible in the Jono translation. And, and, and so Thomas, he, he, he pipes up and he's like, so Jesus says, you know where I am going. And Thomas is like, mm, about that. Do we? Like, do we, do we know if, if we keep on reading? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And it doesn't say what Thomas says next, but I'm sure he's like, okay, cool. That clears it up. Thank you. Now I know the way. You are the way. We'll follow where, okay. How many of us found that, that the way matters, right? The way that we do things in life matters, Teaching your kids this is, is fun. I don't know if anyone else has ever had this experience, but say something happens and, and maybe one sibling hurts another sibling. You're like, hey, you need to say sorry to your sister. And, and they respond uh, with a particular type of sorry, like a sorry. And you're like, no, no, that's not what I meant. But I said sorry. It's like, yeah, you said sorry. But I wasn't really just, I know I said, say sorry to your sister. So this is kind of on me. Like, I accept some responsibility in this situation here. But when I said, say sorry to your sister, what I was really asking you to do is be sorry. Yeah, not just say sorry, but be sorry. And so I, I need you to say sorry in a way that at least, like, I can't make you be sorry, but I can make you say sorry in a way that at least I feel like you're a little bit sorry. So can we try this again? Can you say sorry in a way that at least makes me feel in this moment like a competent parent, yeah? I don't know if anyone else has those discussions with their children. It's all right. My wife is a psychologist, so we definitely know what we're doing. Uh, and then Em walks in. She's like, what are you doing that for? That's entirely ineffective. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just making it up as I go along. You're the expert. So I married you. Anyway, the way matters. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because as Christians, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this, but generally when we think of Jesus saying something like this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we generally tend to focus on the truth, don't we? A at least preachers do, which is important because you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But I also think we can tell the truth in such a way that we might as well have said nothing. We can say the truth in such a way that it's ineffective or, or even rude. We've all seen these videos online of mean Christians, yeah, which should be an oxymoron, mean Christian, like if we're really following the way of, of Jesus. But here they are, they're telling the truth. Maybe they're somewhere and they're holding a sign on the street and they're like, hey, you, you're a sinner and you, J Jesus died because of you. Like, well, I mean, technically, that's true. <laughs> like we are all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short, and Jesus died for every one of us. But I don't feel like the way in which that truth is communicated captures what that truth is really about. That if we're standing there yelling at people that they are sinners, that they are depraved, that they're a heinous person and can only be redeemed by God's love, it kind of doesn't feel like good news. It doesn't feel like it's a compelling thing. It's not in a way that's edifying. It's truth, but it doesn't capture the, the truth. It should be a compelling message, inviting to people to a faith, and instead it comes across as, as mean or nasty. But we don't do that, Jono. We're, we're, we're well-mannered New Zealanders, right? Like we're, we're loving. We only judge people internally, not out of our mouths. It's fine. So maybe it's in church, and someone's struggling, or someone is hurting, or going through something, and we're like, oh, man, you should read your Bible. Or oh, have you tried praying about that? 
And again, it is true that both of these things are very helpful. Both of these things work. Both of these things are good things to do. But I want to suggest maybe just telling someone to do it isn't that helpful. See, what I'm saying is that what works is truth in a way that is helpful. Right? We don't want to just say that something works. We want to say, man, how does it work? How has it worked for you? If someone's going through something much more helpful than saying, oh, well, maybe if you read your Bible about it or if you prayed about it, would be to say something like, oh, well, you know, I've been through a similar thing. And I've found that when I was reading this passage, it really helped me. Would you like to sit down and could we read through it together? Could we wrestle through this together? Could we look at, man, what does the Bible say about this? And, and what does that mean? And, and how do we unpack that? Rather than just saying, oh, you should pray about that. If we said, hey, could we pray about that? Could I pray with you about that? That sounds really hard. And, and I know when I'm going through things like that, sometimes it's hard for me to pray and I need to hear the words that I need to hear come out of someone else's mouth before I feel able to say them. Could we pray together? You know, I, I can remember a while back, um, I, I got tight legs. I get tight legs because they're incredibly muscular. Uh, and so when you've got really muscly legs, what happens is sometimes they get tight on account of them being so muscular, right? Just to, that's why it happened, just in case you're wondering. And so what I did, uh, as evidenced by my earlier Google story, uh, is, is I, I Googled some stretches for my legs, right? My muscular legs to help them be less tight, but still just as, as muscular as they, as they were. I feel like I've, I've driven that, that to home, right? Uh, I find it interesting that, uh, you know, I used to Google how to look after a baby. Now I just Google how to be less sore in my body because uh, I'm getting old. And so I did the stretch that I Googled, and, and it didn't really help. It didn't do much of anything. I was like, oh, I, guess that, I guess that stretch mustn't work for me. Maybe that's like a stretch for less muscular people or something. And, uh, and, and so time passed, and what happened is my legs were still tight, you know, because things don't just fix themselves on their own. And, and that tightness started to, to mess with my lower back, right, because of, I don't know, something to do with the body. And so I started to get a sore back, and it got to the point that I was like, I really can't ignore this anymore. And so I booked in to go to a physio, which arguably is the thing that I should have done before Googling, right, was actually ask the expert, not just pretend I was an expert, but that's a different sermon. And so I went to this physio, and the physio was like, you know, you should try this stretch. And they showed me the stretch, and I was like, ah, look, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but I've already tried that stretch, and it didn't work for me. And they looked at me with that, that loving, knowing, pitying look, like, oh, why do I have to deal with idiots every day? Like, okay, cool, yeah, no, I'm really sorry to hear that. Maybe let's just try it one more time, and, and we'll, just, we'll just have a look at it. And so I did the stretch, and, and they came along, and they're like, yeah, just, you know, not, it's not wrong, but maybe if you just kind of tuck this here, and if you just lengthen this here, and then bam, all of a sudden I was like, oh, you know, that, that stretch is a stretch. That, stretch. that stretch works. That stretch, I thought that I could go all this way with that stretch and I can barely even hold it. Suddenly what I thought was ineffective was all of a sudden amazing because the stretch worked. It was the way that I was doing it that didn't. See, what if we all want a way that works, but we've not quite been doing it right? Maybe a, a, a life of faith works, but we need to look again at what works, because we could be living out a life of faith that doesn't work. Most importantly, how do we find what works? It's all good to say there's a way that works, but we don't just want to be the truth without help. In fact, Jesus said in, in Matthew 28, verse 20, to make disciples. We know this, right? It's a famous verse, teaching them to obey everything he commanded. I, I think we, we sometimes kind of get that a little bit out of step, and we think it just says teaching them everything he commanded. But Jesus' instructions are practical. Don't just teach them what he's commanded. 
teach them to obey. Again, that's not just saying, hey, this is what Jesus said to do. It's saying, hey, this is what Jesus, this is how Jesus said to live, and this is how we think we can walk this out. This is how we think we can live this out. Our faith isn't just about what Jesus said. It's about how we can outwork it. It's not just truth, which is what he said. It's a way how we live out, how we obey what he said. In fact, the, the first century Christians, they weren't called Christians. That name kind of hadn't came about yet. They weren't called even people of the truth. They were called, according to the book of Acts, people or followers of the way. And when you look at, at the way they lived, their goal wasn't just right theology. It wasn't just strong morality. But their goal was to live and to love the way that Jesus lived and loved. And in fact, I find it interesting, I find it compelling when you, when you read the Bible and when you think about the way that Jesus lived, when you read the Gospels, one of the challenging things that I've found is that the way that Jesus lived is pretty different from the way that I live. And I don't just mean like running waters and car, I, I, I mean like, like the, think about the way that Jesus lived. When Jesus interacted with people, he was full of joy, and I don't know about you, but I feel like most of us are full of stress and anxiety. We don't see Jesus in the Gospels worrying about the economy or worrying about the Roman government. In fact, Jesus told us, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will have worries of its own. Who by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And, and in fact, I would suggest that we worry more now than maybe any people in history ever have. When Jesus saw someone in need, he stopped and he spent time with them. He gave them his attention. I don't know about you, but most of us, it feels like we have places to be and things to do. And we see things and we're like, man, someone should really do something about that. It's so unfortunate that I don't have the time to stop. Jesus constantly withdrew to the quiet places to spend time with God. And, and for many of us, a few minutes in the morning is a stretch. I don't know, is anyone else challenged by that? Or maybe to flip it the other way, can you imagine Jesus living here and now? Like, what would, what would he be like? I started thinking about this, and I went to maybe an unhelpful place, but an interesting place. I was like, man, what would Jesus, is, would Jesus have social media? The answer is probably no. But if he did, like, what would Jesus' profile picture look like? Like, I, I like to think it would be like out walking on the water, just like a, just like a real, you know, subtle nod, because he's, he's a humble guy. He's just like taking a photo, he's just like, peace sign, because Jesus is all about peace, right? And just, you look and you're like, Jesus, what are you standing on? He's just like, ah, just the waves, you know, just out for a stroll, no big deal, right? But would Jesus have Instagram, right? He's like on Instagram, checking his followers. He's like, ah, John the Baptist, got more followers than me. It's really disappointing, right? Like, gotta up my game, put out some more, put out some more photos on the water, I guess, you know, like transform some more water to wine, gotta drive up that engagement, make some more vlogs. Or like, what would Jesus have lived like? Would he have had a full calendar rushing from appointment to appointments? Yeah, I don't think so because Jesus had a way. He was unhurried. He had time for people. He spent time with God. He forgave. He fasted. He prayed. He rested. And so in a world in which we're all looking for a way that works, I think it's important to acknowledge that we all want a way that works. And that number two, there are simply ways that don't work. Jesus is not just the truth and the life. He's the way to the Father. And, and first century Christians, they lived their life focused on living and loving the way that Jesus lived and loved. And that question, do you ever feel like Christianity is, isn't working? Do you ever feel like the way that you're serving Jesus and following Jesus and trying to trust in God isn't working the way that you thought that it probably would? Could it be that the way that we are doing life is destroying the life that God has for us? 
Craig Rochelle puts it this way in a quote that I haven't been able to get out of my mind since I heard it. Could it be that the way you've been doing the work of God might be destroying the work of God in you? Could it be that the way that you are doing the work of God might be destroying the work of God in you? And maybe it's not just the way you're doing the work of God. Maybe it's even more simple. Maybe it's your schedule, your pace is destroying the intimacy that God wants you to enjoy with Him. Maybe it's insecurities or unresolved hurt. Maybe it's deep fears distracting you from the work of the Holy Spirit who wants to strengthen you and draw you close to God and make you effective in the work. What I think is scary is Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 tells us this. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. There is a way to live, even maybe a way to live a life of faith that appears right. There's nothing wrong with it, but it leads to death. The Pharisees are a great example of this. They did the right things from the outside. They looked right. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs because they were beautiful from from the outside, but they were rotten on the inside. They appeared right, but they were dead inside. And I think the danger is if we just appear right, if we just think that we're doing the right things, but without actually following the way of Jesus, it doesn't work. Not only does it not work, but we do something that we think should work, and then it doesn't, and we're disappointed. We're jaded with it. You know, the last kind of fortnight, I've had a sinus infection, and uh, one of the things I'm really bad at is I'm bad at remembering to finish antibiotics. Is anyone else like me? Like, I'll take antibiotics when I'm feeling sick, and they're working, and then as antibiotics do, they start to make you feel better, and so then when I'm feeling better, the, the kind of the pain isn't there anymore, and so I forget to keep on taking them, but, but you're meant to kind of finish the dose. You're not just meant to take it for as long as you feel sick and then stop, but finish the dose to kind of beat the infection. Otherwise, what happens is, is you stop too soon, and there's still some infection left over, and a couple of weeks later, you're sick all over again. And I feel like the same thing can happen in our lives. We start kind of trying something and it starts working. We're like, this is all good. And, you know, my life was hard and horrible. And I came to Jesus and he patched me up and I feel better again. And now I can put Jesus back on the shelf and it stops working again. But we're like, but I've lived a life with Jesus. I've I've tried that and it doesn't work. We, We almost immunize. We inoculate ourselves against faith. Because we do it in such a way that it almost works but doesn't quite. We, we do what we think is the right thing but not in the way that Jesus calls us to do it. And I could say the antibiotics didn't work, but it's less the medicine and more how I took it. Or like me stretching and saying, I tried that. It, it didn't work for me. The way matters. So if we all want a way that works and there are ways that don't work, is it possible to be a person of faith and feel like it's not working? Where does that leave us? Turn with me finally as I I get the band up. I'm almost done to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says uh, to people asking the same kind of question as we're asking today, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Jesus says, "If if you're worn out, if you're burned out, if you're wondering if Christianity works, come to Jesus. And Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, a a yoke here is, it's a a wooden cross piece that was used to join two animals together so that they could pull more together than they could on their own. It's it's a work tool to accomplish more. And and, and it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because it, it seems on reading this, 
Like Jesus is saying, if, if you are weary, if you are burdened, if you are finding life hard, come to me and I'm going to put a work tool on your neck. Like, if you think life is hard now, just wait. I'll show you hard. Like, it feels kind of like Jesus is doing the grandparent equivalent of, like, in my day, we used to have to walk 100 miles to school in the snow over molten lava. What are you trying to do here? If you're exhausted, if you're weary, if you're burdened, wait till I put a harness on you. You don't even know exhausted yet. That's odd, yeah? Because I don't know about you. When when I'm exhausted, when I'm finding life hard, I don't want a work tool around my neck. I don't want a harness. I want a nap. Or, or a massage, or, or, or a holiday. I don't, I don't want to engage in more work. But what's actually happening here is yoke is a, a Hebrew metaphor. It's an image. See, when Jesus says yoke, he's not just talking about a work tool. The, the idea of yoke was the concept of a rabbi's teachings. If you heard Shane Willard at Shout, he talked about this a little bit, that a rabbi of authority could bring their interpretation of, of the Torah that everyone else had to teach someone else's interpretation, but a rabbi of authority could bring their own interpretation of Scripture, which isn't, don't just think like dusty academics, someone standing up and, and going through Scripture. The, your interpretation of Torah was how you lived. It was your way of life. It was your way of being. Jesus is saying, I have a new interpretation of life. I have a new way to live. Because my third and final point today is, Jesus has a way. See, so yoke is a Hebrew metaphor for a way of living, but it's also still the metaphor is built on the reality of what the tool was. It's a metaphor based in this work tool. And every time it's used in Hebrew Scripture, it's meant to bring to mind teaching, but also this this real tool that's encountered in everyday life. And what's interesting about a yoke is, is there's no single yoke. Yoke means to to draw two together. Anytime there was a yoke, it was for two animals to use together. And so Jesus in this imagery of using a yoke is saying, if you're worn out, if you're burned out, if you don't know what is working, come and join him and he will give you a better way to be. Not joined to your schedule, not joined to religion, not joined to expectation, not joined to to shame or to guilt, not joined to past hurt, but joined to, to Jesus. Not just to believe his truth, but also to live the way that Jesus lived. Jesus says that he is gentle and humble in heart, that his yoke is easy and light. Why does that matter? Well, if you're connected to someone, if you're living life connected to them, going where they go, moving where they move, then then their temperament is important, isn't it? If they're rough and arrogant, if they're hard and heavy, you're going to be yanked and dragged, knocked off your feet, beaten and bruised just in the process of living. And life can feel a little bit like that, can't it? I'm pulled over here by work. I'm pulled over here by my commitments. I have this expectation put on me. I sit under these pressures pulling me down. We're all yoked to something. The question is, is the way that we are living is what we are yoked to bringing life or destroying us? Is it possible that the way that we are going about the work of God is destroying the work of God in us? Jesus says, I have a way. I have a different way. And I'm sure some of us are here and they're like, ah, I mean, that's great. It's super encouraging that Jesus has a way, but, but I can't just quit my job. I can't just stop being a parent. I have bills and responsibilities. And, and saying there's a better way doesn't change that. In fact, if anything, it just kind of feels like false hope because it's like, hey, life could be better than it is for you, but 
And I get that. That's fair. I'm with you. And I don't want to add more to your plate. But, but I guess what I'm suggesting is in the coming weeks, what if we took off some of the things that didn't work and we added some things that did? What if we removed from our life some failed quick fixes and started to implement some life-giving practices, things that could change? Today, all I'm asking is, what if there's hope? What if there's a better way? See, to put it this way, I think we all want a way that works. We all know that there are ways that don't work. And Jesus has a way for us. And over the coming weeks, we're going to be unpacking what we think works. It's not a quick fix today. Not like, hey, if you feel like your life doesn't work, if there are ways that don't work, then just do this magic and it'll all be fixed. Life is more than that. There are some things in life that are not fixed in 30 minute, 40 minute, 45 minute sermons on a Sunday, right, that we need to work through. But I think there's an opportunity to build a hunger in us that we can't wait to come to church next week as we unpack some of the things that work, that you're looking for spaces, for opportunities to apply it. And I want to say, do all you can to be in the room next week. Bring people that you love into the room next week. We've got the incredible Dr. Maya Whitaker sharing with us, right? And she's going to be unpacking a little bit of practices of the faith. And, and we're in an incredible opportunity. Maya is teaching a course at Laidlaw this semester on this very thing. And we get her here to unpack some of it for us, right? So let's not ignore, let's not look past the opportunities to be in the room to set ourselves up well. But I do want to leave you with hope. I don't want to leave you simply with, hey, there's a better way and we'll find out about it next week. Stay tuned. Because Jesus meets us where we're at. In the middle of our changing, in the middle of our seeking understanding, in the middle of our broken ways, Jesus is there. And so the thought I simply want to leave you with to unpack is how different is the way you live your life from the way that Jesus lived his life? Let's be bold enough to be uncomfortable. Is it possible that how we're doing the work of God is ruining the work of God in us? And if it is, what happens if it starts with an invitation to come to Jesus? To come to Jesus and as he promises, he'll give us rest. That in Him we can encounter something different, a rest that we don't have to earn, a rest that we don't deserve, a rest that is a gift, that we can take His yoke, that we can be joined with Him, that we can do life with Jesus guiding us, and we'll find rest for our soul. So today, simply, I encourage you, let's go from here asking, how different is the way that I live my life from the way that Jesus lived His life? And do I want, I don't have to do anything, but do I want to maintain those differences? Or is there a way that I could come and step with how Jesus lives? I'm not going to be Jesus, but Jesus in my way, shape, and form. Jesus is me in my age and stage of life and where I live and the family that I'm in, that we could partner with Him. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.